0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Parenting Portal. My name is Joanna Port. I am a mama four to Zoe, Levi, Ruby, and Ray, and I am the director at Crestwood Hills Preschool in Los Angeles. This podcast is a guided discussion between me and an expert in the field of parenting. This episode is called Find the Right Preschool. Today, we're talking with Dr. Michelle Nitka.
1: Play is how they're learning all these other skills. Some of these approaches you have to subscribe to 110%. Can they work with this? Are they excited to to have your child as part of the
0: community? Dr. Nick and I have known each other since 1992 when we were in graduate school together at the USC School of Social Work. Can you believe how long it's been, Michelle? No,
1: no we were 12, <laughs> Joanna.
0: And we look the same. <laughs> Of course.
1: (laughs) Actually, I think we're thinner.
0: Yes, we look better than ever. Um, But we became friends in graduate school and we have remained in touch, which I think is a testament to a lot. And we're always happy to see each other. I know that. Dr. Nika is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in helping families find the right school for their children. She is the resource in this department. She's author of Coping with Preschool Panic and had a private practice in Los Angeles for over 20 years. In her practice, she helps parents navigate the preschool and or the elementary school process. Today, we're going to talk about preschool. Dr. Nika is the mother of two girls. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me, Joanna. Yeah, of course. What are the different types of preschools out there for people?
1: You know, there's all sorts of different schools out there. There are private schools. In some states, there's going to be public schools or schools that are connected with churches with temples there's schools that start in preschool and go all the way to 12th grade and there's some standalone preschools as well so depending on where you live there are all sorts of different options available out there
0: yeah Okay. And what are some of the different philosophies? Well,
1: just like there's all different types of preschools out there, there's all different kinds of philosophies. And when you're looking for a preschool, you're going to hear all of these different, you know, terms thrown out. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear Reggio Emilia, you'll hear uh, developmental, you'll hear Waldorf, you'll hear Montessori. And, you know, it becomes a lot about what does this mean? One thing to think about just at the beginning is you're trying to find the philosophy that fits your family Mm. parenting style the best because realistically, when you are starting this process, your little one might be only about nine months to a year old. They are scarcely getting the food in their mouth without (laughs) having it drool all over their floor. So, you know, people often say, how do I know what's the best philosophy for my child? and I always say you don't. And that's why it's worth it to look at a number of different philosophies. But yeah. what you're trying to find is the philosophy that matches what feels right with your family. So many of us, us older folks out there, um, grew up with preschools that were based in a traditional academic philosophy where there was a lot of focus on, you know, the three R's reading, writing, and arithmetic. Mm -hmm. And they tended to be very teacher-focused, teacher-centered schools where the children were seen as being dependent on the teacher for their learning and information. Mm -hmm. You know, those are one type of, of preschool out there. There's also developmental schools. So oftentimes what happened was that You know, one philosophy was very popular for a while, and then things sort of evolved Mm -hmm. or changed and became more popular as time went on. That was a developmental approach, where the whole idea of the developmental approach is that children will do things when they are developmentally ready. Yeah. So there's a wide range of normal and where, you know, some children will be walking at, 11 months old, some children won't walk till they're 17, 18 months old. Yeah. And it's all seen as normal. The same is true in terms of learning. While there's some children who will teach themselves to read at age three, mm-hmm. that's a really, really small portion, but there are some children who do it. There's also children who will not be reading until third grade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the developmental approach says all of this is normal. And that's what's important is that children are learning through following their own interests and they're learning through play. So through the power of play. yeah. And, you know, the developmental approach tends to be a much more child-centered, child-focused approach mm-hmm. that's really focusing more on on social and emotional development. Mm-hmm. So learning how to make a friend, learning how to keep a friend, learning how to communicate with others. Mm-hmm. In terms of other approaches are out there, you know,
0: some- Well, we I wanna say one more thing about sure. the I find that word comes up on every tour. Oh, yeah. Every director will use that word. Right. And what they're trying to say is they all grow different ages and stages. And we see children as doing things at different times. So there's no, they don't need to come in a certain way Absolutely, they're all different.
1: Absolutely. But you will
0: hear that word developmental on almost every tour. You're,
1: you're absolutely right. Even when you go to a traditional academic preschool, you know, they will say that they're, they are doing things in a developmentally appropriate way. Yeah. And the really good, traditional academic preschools are, even though it's a different philosophy than the developmental philosophy, what they're teaching, which is academics, they're doing so hopefully in a developmentally appropriate way. And people say, well, what what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. You know, and my best answer to that, I think that everyone is familiar with is Sesame Street. Yeah. Sesame Street teaches academics. It was actually designed to do that, Mm -hmm. to teach academics in a developmentally appropriate way. Children are learning letters, they're learning numbers, they're learning colors, they're learning shapes, all academic concepts, but they're doing it through singing, through dancing, through puppets. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would say that word developmental is a buzzword that's going to come up no matter what philosophy you're looking at.
0: With zero to six-year-olds, it is definitely a huge word. (laughs) Absolutely. What about these words? Progressive, you know, as a philosophy, like when they say that, what do they mean by that? Progr- I mean, progressive can mean so
1: many different things. Yeah. But I mean, in my mind, progressive means that it's going to be somewhat innovative. Uh-huh. And, you know, it may be a newer approach to doing something. But you, another buzzword that comes up in uh-huh. terms of philosophies, I think. I think is Reggio Emilia, yeah, you which hear that is a lot. another philosophy that has gained in popularity. Like we're talking about going through these, yeah. you know, flavor of the month kind of thing. Um, Reggio Emilia approach, you know, has gained in popularity, or they
0: say Reggio inspired. You hear that a lot, in-
1: yes, or also constructivist yes, is constructivist. another word that goes with that. So what does that mean? What is so the Reggio approach? Reggio Amelia is an actual town in Italy. Yep. And after, you know, World War II, a lot of these small towns in Italy were destroyed by the war. And what happened was that many of these towns received money, reparation money to be able to rebuild a sense of community within their villages. And most of those little villages rebuilt their community center. But this little town of Reggio Emilia, Italy, they took a different approach, and they decided that they were going to rebuild a sense of community by rebuilding their schools. Okay. And everything was very quiet. The town came together. They worked together. They rebuilt their school system um, by these town people coming together, and everything went along very quietly as this new Reggio Emilia school system developed, until I think it was 1981, when this little town of Reggio Emilia, Italy turned up on the cover of Newsweek magazine as one of the 10 best school systems in the entire world. And everyone did what you just did. They said, wow, what's this Reggio Emilia stuff? And so some of the kind of guiding principles of the Reggio Emilia approach are things like community. Community is important, which makes sense. That is is why the approach came into being to begin mm-hmm. with, to rebuild this sense of community. How that gets translated into each preschool is different.
0: There is so much about Reggio. We could go for an and hour. So I think I have to stop you, even though I want to go on. I'm Absolutely. tempted to go on because I want to get to what is a Montessori? Yep. And Montessori's have also become more and more mm.
1: popular out there. Also, an approach that came from Europe. It was established by Maria Montessori and she was Italy's first female pediatrician. And what some people don't realize is she actually started the Montessori approach for special needs kits. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so it was established for children, many of the street children of Italy, you know, who had special Mm -hmm. needs. And it was found to be so successful because she developed certain tools that were used specifically within the Montessori schools that it started being generalized to the typically developing population because it was so incredibly successful with these special needs kids that, people felt like, well, why can't it work with all kids? And it is a rather unique approach. It does tend to be the most academic approach, Uh which I think surprises people. Yeah, And typically what happens is you have children come into the classroom and one of the main Montessori guiding principles is something called freedom within limits, Mm -hmm. meaning they have the freedom to pick what they will wanna do. And the classroom is divided around different learning centers, Mm -hmm. but there's limits because every child does have a curriculum that's been devised for them. Mm -hmm. It's very individualized and the teachers are monitoring them and seeing what they're doing. And those different areas of the classroom tend to have very academic focuses. Mm -hmm. So reading, math, science, geography, and children gain a lot of autonomy and independence in Montessori schools. I noticed that. And there's a
0: lot of talk about respect.
1: Yes. Big word. In fact, one of the interesting things that I've found is I have clients that went to Montessori school that come into me as adults. And one of the questions I ask them is i say when you get up from a table do you push your chair in every
0: person who went to a montessori school says yes they learned that there. they learned that there (laughs) there's a lot of that independence respect they wash their own dishes they put them dry them in things yes um respect for things and others is a huge
1: absolutely now what they don't have a lot of in a Montessori school is a lot of the dramatic play, the pretend mm. play, mm. you know, that as you're and free saying, play and a lot of the free play, yeah. right, that if you want to wash dishes at a Montessori school, we're going to take you over to the sink and you're going to wash real dishes, yeah, right? Yeah. That's going to be maybe the job. Yeah. As opposed to, if you are at a different type of preschool with the little pretend little tykes kitchen and the plastic plates and everything and pretending to wash dishes, that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, so that goes straight into play based. Yes, like well, my which, preschool, right, is play
1: based, and I think of that as being very you know dev- back to the developmental sort of play based. You approach. want to describe
0: that a little bit?
1: So you know, again, the the focus is really on children, you know, learning through play. Yes. And following their own interests. Yes. And I think, you know, again, very respectful of other people and learning to listen, Mm -hmm. learning to communicate, learning to make a friend, learning to keep a friend. But another portion of that Mm -hmm. that, I think people don't always understand is that they're also learning a lot of executive functioning skills, yeah. which are really, really important. Another buzzword that tends to come up more and more now. Yeah. And what executive functioning skills are, are they're actually the skills that have been found to be critical for success in life. Yeah. I think many people have start hearing um, the catchphrase of don't eat the marshmallow. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: and from that experiment.
1: (laughs) Right, Yes, about the experiment at Stanford. (laughs) And what they found was that there was a high correlation with those kids who could delay the gratification and those kids that were successful in life. Success being defined as that they graduated from college, that they were gainfully employed, that they were a normal weight, that they didn't have a substance abuse issue. And so- You know, that concept of delaying gratification Mm -hmm. became very interesting. Yeah. And I think that, you know, certainly in a play-based preschool, those concepts of delaying gratification, focus, learning how to follow directions.
0: Yeah. The idea of like the play is how they learn and change and grow. And you have to let them make mistakes. Fall, be frustrated, have difficult moments. And we spend it at our school, because of the play-based, a lot of time on social and emotional Mm -hmm. skills. The entire time you're with us. I mean, it's over and over. So by the time they leave, they're very solid in those very and the and the academics are there, but it's organic. It's just around. But it, the play is the driving force in a play based school.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But and I think that's a misconception some people have. They think like, well, why am I sending them to school so they can play? Yeah. But what they're not realizing is the play is how they're learning all these other skills and it's those skills, those executive functioning skills, those communication skills, you know, those those ability to follow direction and things. That is what is the, you need that foundation to take the next step of
0: elementary school. Whenever I talk to a director of any school, Waldorf, Montessori, Reggio, whatever, they all would agree with me they mm-hmm. need to play. There is no doubt in anybody's mind. Like absolutely. the research is everywhere.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, and then that leads me to Waldorf. Can you just briefly touch about Because that is out there and people do go that, to Waldorf school. That <laughs> is absolutely
1: another European approach um, started by Rudolf Steiner, you know, who was from Austria. And he actually developed the Waldorf approach for the factory workers of the Waldorf Astoria cigarette factory in Stuttgart, Germany. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, you know, it was designed to be an alternative approach Mm. to public education. But because these were factory workers, you know, he really wanted to make it a very home-like environment, a very nurturing home-like environment. And if you go to a Waldorf school, that's one thing that you will notice is that it does feel very old-fashioned and very like home, you know, that there aren't a lot of plastic toys. In fact, there's probably no plastic toys. Right. There tends to be big overstuffed chairs and, and little lamps and little, little, li- little no fluorescent lighting, lots of, like plants. Plants. Nature is yeah. really important in Waldorf. And yeah. Waldorf again, it was designed to be an alternative approach to public education, focused very heavily on art and creativity, with learning being through the oral tradition. Through storytelling, Mm -hmm. Um, they do teach subjects in a different order than other schools. They believe that children's eyes aren't really ready to learn how to read until second or third grade, Mm -hmm. and so they're not teaching those academic skills, you know, as formally as other preschools might. But that's not to say they don't get there. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of learning that goes on. Mm -hmm. They actually teach a foreign language in Waldorf school. Mm -hmm. They teach a musical instrument. They're teaching, you know, handiwork like molding beeswax and knitting and sewing and things. So there is a lot of learning. It's just in a different order. Mm -hmm. What is really interesting also about a Waldorf school is that they are not going to focus at all on technology. In fact, many Waldorf schools are going to ask parents to sign an agreement that they are not going to allow their child to view TV or use a computer or use a cell phone until they're significantly older, so usually fourth or fifth mm-hmm. grade, and they're going to ask the parents to refrain from using those things in front of their child.
0: It's It makes me think about the beginning of this talk where you and your partner need to discuss what resonates or feels right mm-hmm. for you. These philosophies are so different, and you do need to talk, like, is this something I'm into or not? And yeah. And you need to be aligned before you decide on a preschool. Oh, oh yes. yeah. You <laughs> so have that, to be like I, some of these approaches, you have to subscribe to 110% like some parents will be like, I'm not doing that no screen time thing. And some will be like, yes, I am doing that. So absolutely. What should people think about or consider when they're looking for a preschool?
1: So these philosophies are definitely one of them. But there's also so many other things to consider. Okay. You know, one of the things depending on where you live to think about is how far do you want to drive? Mm. You know, these are little beings, and they don't We don't want to keep them in the car for endless amounts of time, especially because many of the preschools are half day programs. Yeah. So, you know, you want to think about keeping it to a minimal amount of driving. You also want to think about, you know, what do you need? Do you need a half day program, which is usually like nine to 12? Or do you need a full day program? Do you need more coverage than that? You know, which may be from nine to three, or it might be from seven thirty to five 30. But how long do you need a preschool to be? You also want to think about how do I feel about sending my child to a preschool that's affiliated with a church or a temple? Mm-hmm. Or how do I feel in terms of diversity? Do I want to have a very, you know, heterogeneous, diverse environment. And what kind of diversity do I want? Do I want racial ethnic diversity? Do I want religious diversity? Mm -hmm. Um, Do I want socioeconomic diversity? You want to think about tuition. There's a really wide range of tuition prices out there from, you know, some of the co-op schools, co-op schools, we didn't, Touch on that, yeah. but co-op school is a school where um, the parents are going to be heavily involved. By definition, in a cooperative nursery school, the parents will donate their time as part of the agreement. They will be working at the preschool. Depending on the co-op school, it will it could be once a week. It could be once a month. But they will be part of the school by helping out. And I always say, at many of the co-op schools, you're not the teacher as a parent, you are the glorified janitor.
0: Yeah. Or you're, well, <laughs> or you're just an extra set of ears, extra eyes, se- yes, hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just another adult. <laughs> right.
1: So you're going to be helping set up. Yep. You're going yep. to be, you know, cutting up snack. You're, you might, If you're really lucky, you're
0: going to be reading the story at yeah. some schools. At our school, we want them to be with the kids first and then the jobs. We don't care so much about the jobs. We're more about yeah. being with the kids, but it's true. And every cooperative school is different, how they handle it. And, and that leads it to, it could a- be like, oh, your job is to uh, monitor the website Exactly, and that's your job. It just really, you have to
1: ask. Exactly. Yeah. But that leads to another thing to consider, which is parent participation. Yeah. How much you want? You know, some people are working a job where they don't have the flexibility yeah. and it would be unfair to be at a preschool that demands heavy parent participation. Mm-hmm. Other people have said, I'm putting my job on hold for the first five years of my child's life. And it would be really upsetting to be told, no, no, we don't want you here. You know? Yeah. So parent participation. Another thing to consider is, does your child have any special needs? Yeah. You know? And and by the way, I really like to point out, and I'm sure you would what? agree with this, Every child has a special need.
0: Every one of them will have a special need at some point. I always say to parents, every kid needs to be tweaked.
1: Yeah. They just need a little tweak. You know what I I say also is I say that when you're a parent, I watch cooking shows. I really like cooking shows. Me too. (laughs) And so there's this cooking show called (laughs) Chopped, where they give you this basket of ingredients and you have to make a dish out of it, right? And so it'll be like, you get four ingredients in your basket and you get, you know, teriyaki sauce, garlic, flank, flank steak, and marshmallow fluff. And you think, <laughs> what am I going to do with the marshmallow fluff? This wasn't part of the deal. Having kids is kind of like that. You know, you get, oh, they're smart. They're creative. They they're look like me. fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, they have dyslexia. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. What am I going to do with that? <laughs> it's so true. And so, you know, but that's that's part of the fun of it all, really.
0: Yeah, true. It's you so know? True. Yeah. So
1: every child will have a special need. And if you know what your child's special need is at the age of, of two, well, you do want to check with the preschool director mm-hmm. and ask them and see, are you know, can they work with this? Are they excited to... To have your child as part of
0: the community, you
1: know, because there's plenty of options out there. There's lots of preschools.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about more things to think about and consider when you're looking for a preschool.
1: As we said, if you have a child with special needs, you're looking at that director and you're looking at the teachers. I would say the same is true. Even if you don't have a child that you know has special needs, you still, that director is a pretty important person to you and you want to feel... Like, if you had a problem, you could go to that director and feel comfortable talking to him or her. Mm-hmm. If, you know, the family's goldfish dies, you want to be able to go in and say, you know, Tim might be a little sad today because the goldfish died. And know that 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 person's really going to take the time to speak with you. You also wanna look at the teachers and look at how the teachers are interacting with the children. Mm -hmm. Usually you have the opportunity to take a tour of a preschool and see how are they communicating? Are they talking to the children in a way that you feel comfortable with? I think you wanna look at the surroundings of the preschool, you know, and see if you're comfortable with the environment. It doesn't, you know, one thing I would say is A preschool does not have to be beautiful, all-new equipment Mm -hmm. to be a top-quality preschool. I could not agree with you more. That is so true. Most kids don't care. Yeah. They don't care. They won't notice. And as my you know, husband used to say, when you're looking for a garage, you don't want a super clean, immaculate garage. I would say the same thing's true for a preschool. There's no obsessive compulsives running preschools out there. <laughs> you don't want an immaculate preschool. Kids are gonna get a little dirty, a little messy, but that's part of the process. Yeah. And you have to be comfortable with
0: that. Yeah.
1: And some preschools will require that children are toilet trained. And some don't, like ours, yeah. And some don't. You know, and I would say you want to be thinking about that because, and it sounds so, you know, I don't think people understand how much you don't want to put pressure on a child to be toilet trained. Yeah. You know, again, we're back to developmental children will be toilet trained at different times. And it's most likely all normal when they're toilet trained. And so it's yeah. nice to be able to take that off the table as something you're
0: worried about. Yeah. There are some schools though, you're right, that require it. And yes. it causes a lot of stress for people, I think. Yes. Yes, I've, I've noticed that. Yes, yes, absolutely.
1: And you don't want to be putting pressure on your two and a half year old to all of a sudden be toilet trained. Yeah, that's true.
0: What does it mean, um, NAEYC accreditation and licensing? When I see that sign and I'm on a tour and the tour says they are, what do they mean? NAEYC
1: accreditation, which is the National Association for the Education of Young Children, is, to me, it's like the good housekeeping seal of approval. It means that a preschool has gone through a rather long, expensive accreditation process where they have put together a large binder and they have, you know, someone from the NAEYC coming out and giving them the accreditation saying that they are doing all these different things. But one thing I would like to say is there are a lot of phenomenal preschools that have decided not to go through the NEYC accreditation because they feel that it has taken a lot of time and money to do so that they feel they would rather be putting towards the children. So especially if you don't have a very large staff, it can be really an extra burden to go through that. That being said, I always say, if I was moving to South Dakota and I did not know where to start in terms of finding a preschool, I would go on to the NAUIC's website and look for accredited preschools as that being my first step Mm -hmm. to finding a preschool, Mm because I would feel like that they had vetted those preschools. And licensing too. Exactly. You want to make sure the preschool is licensed by the state. But uh, preschool can be licensed and not be NAEYC accredited. One other thing that I think is important in some states to be looking at in terms of preschool is, you know, and I hate to make people anxious, but you thinking about sort of the next step of do I plan on sending my child to private or public elementary school, because some preschools will send a large percentage of their children onto private school, yeah, and some will send no children onto to private school, and if you already know. In your head, okay, our plan is that we're sending our child on to private kindergarten. Mm -hmm. It is helpful to go to a preschool that sends at least a portion, at least 25, 35% on to private school, just so that, that you know that director is familiar with the process and familiar with what the expectations of the private schools are so that your child is being prepared for that next step.
0: You're really encouraging parents to look at their child and really think about what's best for them and then maybe very different from your vision or who you are. Oh, 100%. And that's okay. 100%. But you... This is great. I mean, Dr. Nika, this is amazing. All of this is so much, and I could go on and on, and we'll have to have you back for another um, podcast because we have more to talk about. Anytime. I really appreciate you coming, and I love hanging out with you at any time. Oh, thank you, <laughs> Joanna.
1: Thank you so much for yeah. having me. And yeah. yeah, anytime. Okay. I will come back. Okay.
0: Please go to www.preschoolguide.com. Or you can reach her at mnitka, M-N-I-T-K-A at preschoolguide.com. Thanks for joining us. If you have questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at joanna at parentingportal.com. If you want to learn more about our experts or to schedule a consult with me or a speaking engagement, or you just have a parenting question you need answered, go to parentingportal.com. And remember parenting is so, so hard. Give yourself a break. You're doing a great job and do something for yourself today.